0: please go with me to John's gospel chapter 5. I'm loving walking through this gospel. I talked to a a cousin of mine last night who preaches and I was telling him kind of what I'm doing and he said yeah He pastored a church a couple years back, and he said, when I started pastoring the church, we started looking at the Gospel of John Wednesday nights. Verse by verse, he said it took us two years to get through the Gospel of John. I'm on chapter 5. Now, if you do the math, hopefully it won't be two years, but I really don't care if it is. And today I'm going to lay down and preach it. Is that okay? Once again, I really don't care if it is. (laughs) Ha-ha! Now really, I want to read this passage to you, and I'm going to set it up. John chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. I'm reading out of the New American Standard, and there's a couple reasons for that. I'll point those out to you in a few minutes. It says, after these things, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticos." In these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain, at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after stirring up of the water, stepped in was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. Let's talk about that verse for a moment because it may not be in your translation and I want to explain to you why. First of all, the history of how the Bible came about is very interesting. But We've taken what we call manuscripts way back early on. We've translated them over time. We found new ones over time. So if you look in a footnote of your Bible, if that's not there, it probably says earlier or later manuscripts include this thing. So what does that mean? That means that if I sit down and translate the Bible into English and I write over in a footnote a thought that I have, and write down, hey, the angel used to come down and stir the water. I'm basing that on verse 7, so it's, it's there. And then you come behind me years later, and you translate again. You see that little note on the side. Well, it's like, well, that's supposed to be in there, and you put it in there. You with me? Just a little side tidbit of why it's in some translations, and it's not in others. It went on, and it says in verse 5, A man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he had already been for a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you wish... To get well. The sick man answered him and said, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. Immediately the man became well, picked up his pallet, and began to walk. Now that was on the Sabbath day. So the Jews were saying to the man who was cured, It is the Sabbath, and it's impermissible, not permissible, for you to carry your pallet. But he answered them, Who has made me well is the one that said, Pick up your pallet and walk. And they said, Who is the man that said this to you? Pick up your pallet and walk. But the man who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus slipped away while there was a crowd in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said, Behold, you've become well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. I want to set this up for you. Jesus and his disciples are walking through You can watch me lay here if you want to. We'll go somewhere in a few minutes. They're walking through, and there's five porticos, which would be five porches. And they circle these pools. It's believed that there was probably two pools there. And what the mindset was, and we really don't have exactly what took place, but the mindset was an angel would come down, stir the water, and then when the people got in the pool, they were made well there's a couple things here that are interesting to me some translations specifically the English Standard Version calls them invalids what is an invalid well I can't still lay down and preach If you got an iPhone and you put in the wrong password too many times it gives you this little message that says too many invalid attempts and it locks your phone what does that mean that means the passcode that you have was not correct and it was not good enough to give you access Okay, so these people are invalids. They're not good enough to make it to the pool themselves. They're not good enough to be able to move. They're stuck. They're bound to their location. Whether they be sick, whether they be lame, whether they be withered, it don't really matter what it is, which is we can walk through all of those. They might be blind. They can't see. They don't have the perception. The man, there's many on there laying around that they probably were from here to the edge of that stage from the pool, but because of their blindness, they couldn't see how close they were to their healing. They may, have been, they may have been sick. They had other infirmities. They couldn't do what needed to be done from the inside. They were struggling on what was on the inside of them. And because, what, because of what was inside, kept them from receiving the healing. And then some of them were withered. Some of them were paralyzed. Some of them did not have the physical ability. Maybe, uh, maybe they couldn't stand up. Their, wit, their legs were withered. Their, their arms, whatever it was, they couldn't make it to the pool. They had a physical infirmity that kept them from getting there. Whatever it was, there's a multitude of invalids laying in these porches. And what's interesting to me is Jesus walks to one man. You tell me that he doesn't care. There's a multitude. Tons of people are laying around. But yet he goes to this one guy. I can't stand to hear people say, God doesn't care. He's left me all along. It feels that way. But there's a multitude of people gathered around these pools, but yet Jesus cared enough, and he went to the one man. You know why I think he did that? I think he did that because we read at the end of chapter 2, at the end of the wedding of Cana, Jesus knew what was within man. We talked about it a couple of weeks back. He knew the heart. He knew what was inside. He knew their thoughts, right? And looking at this multitude of people, he knew which man to go to who really knew. He, he knew what was within that man that would actually be what would make him well. So I wonder when Jesus is looking at a multitude, and I'm not going to look at you when I say this, he's looking at a multitude of us, and he knows really what's in our heart. Is it really that we want to be better? Is it really that we want a better situation? Is it really that we want to be healed? Is it really that we want God to pour out blessings on us? Or do we enjoy wallowing in our pity? Can I look up? And Jesus makes it to this man, and he says in verse... Six: He said, "Do you wish to get well?" And I sat in a very, very long conversation this week with some gentlemen talking about this one word, because that word "well" doesn't mean, do you wish to be able to walk? Do you wish that I could make your legs better? Do you wish that you would be physically healthy again? That word actually means, "Do you wish to be made whole? Do you wish to be made whole? The man's laid there for 38 years. 38 I can't fathom that because I'm only 30. 38 years the man has laid on a bed. I've watched people lay for months into a year and watched them wither away so that their their arms were near nothing. Their legs are near nothing. They can't even hardly pick up their head to eat. The man is laid for 38 years. And we think we have problems. I hate the waiting season. I hate it. But I can't fathom 38 years. And Jesus says, You wish to get well? Well, yeah, of course. Don't we all? Jesus knew his response because Jesus knows what's in the heart of man, right? He said, I've got nobody to take me to the pool. Been laying here 38 years, and there ain't nobody that'll take me to that pool. Those waters stir up, and by the time I can get there, by the time I make it off my bed, I get about halfway rolled over. Somebody's already been healed. I ain't got nobody to take me. Jesus almost gives this dude a a spanking, if you will. He don't give a rip who is there to take him to the pool. Jesus don't even care that the pool exists. Right? Read the text. He said, get up, take up your bed, and walk. Your Bible says that instantly the man got up. He picked it up. And started walking. Right? Isn't that what yours says? Now i got a, I'm, I'm a, a friend of mine that's the overseer of Pakistan. And we've got this pretty little thought of, don't let me tear the building down. Even our translations say that he rolled up his bed mat and carried it out. See, my friend in Pakistan says that it's not abnormal for people to go sleep outside when the Sun goes down they pick up their bed which is a wood frame like a, almost like a twin size a little bit smaller basically this size a wood frame bed beautiful wooden legs some some string or some rope weed across to, to make a net they pick up their bed and they go outside because they have no air condition and they sleep outside So here we have this pretty little picture of of this man rolling up his little sleeping bag and throwing it on his back. No! This is the thing the man has laid on. It's the thing that supported him. It's the thing that he's had to depend on for 38 years to keep him off the ground. And in just one word, he said, pick it up and walk. And the man picks up the bed. No longer is he bound to it, but now he's the one under it. See, I don't know what kind of mountain we seem to be uh, stuck under, what kind of rock, what, what it is that might be pulling us down. But this point really just is this transition takes place. And now the thing that the man was bound to, he couldn't get off of, he didn't have anybody. Now he picks it up and says, show me something, bed. Watch this. It starts walking off. The struggle is, it's Sunday. Who gives a rib? The man just got up from 38 years. Here's how we're different, though. The man had an excuse. This is his first encounter with Jesus, right? Lord willing. You and I encountered Jesus a long time ago, right? I believe that. Why is it that we still lay on this bed, though, when Jesus says, I want life for you and life abundantly? I want the very best for you. I, want you to, I got plans for you to prosper, plans for you to live, plans not to harm you. Why is it that we still lay here and say, well, I ain't got nobody to put me in that pool? don't we do it first of all the pool don't mean a hill of beans you won't let's get deep about it some believe that an angel really didn't even come down and stir the waters of the pool that was the misbelief it was just a natural occurring like a whirlpool the, the whirlpool bubbles would come on it just so happened that God was healing the pool had nothing to do with the healing He had no excuse. This was the only way he knew to receive a healing. I'm telling you, we have an issue. We do have an excuse. Because we would rather rather lay in our bed for 38 years waiting on somebody to come pick us up and take us to the pool, which is not going to do anything for us, when Jesus says, pick it up and walk. You know why Jesus was able to tell him that? Because he knew what was within him. And if Jesus knows what's within you and me, and he looks at you and says, pick it up and walk, he knows that there's victory, there's power, there's this courage that's within us. The man's been withered for 38 years. If he could pick his head up, it would have been a miracle. But your Bible and my Bible says... Then immediately the man became well and picked up his pallet, picked up his bed, and began to walk. Immediately. 38 years of a past, 38 years of infirmity, 38 years of doubt, 38 years of frustrations, 38 years of weakness. In the moment's time, Jesus spoke the word, and immediately the man got up and walked. So he's asked about it, what? Sir, you're not supposed to be carrying your pallet. I hate it when people do that. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. My my granny was at a funeral with us last night. A a wedding. There, I did it again. Isn't that beautiful? A wedding. I was tired enough when I got home, it felt like a funeral. A wedding with us last night. Preachers, man. They're all the same. Not really, but they feel like it. She was at a wedding with us. You prayed for her several weeks back. We didn't know she was going to live. And she had to sit down and take some pictures, and she was getting kind of impatient with herself. I don't know what kind of whatever came over me. I'm not going to call it arrogance because I don't want to claim that. But I got a little frustrated. And I said, so she could hear me, but not directed really to her, but to the photographer or whoever. I said, that woman right there is miraculous. I said, it's a miracle for her to be sitting in that chair right here with us because we didn't think three or four weeks ago she'd even be here. We thought she would have left us. We thought she was going to be gone. And the whole tone kind of changed there for a minute. See, here's what aggravates me. Nobody sees your blessing. God's pouring out blessings on your life, something that we've been praying for over and over. For, to everybody else, they saw that older woman having to sit in a chair and slow things down yesterday in the hustle and the bustle of a wedding day. They didn't see the blessing. They didn't see the fact that her life was important. They didn't see the fact that I ain't trying to push nobody down. It wasn't quite as bad as what I'm making it. But in reality, what they saw in the moment was, uh, th- this is kind of an inconvenience, what she really saw of herself was this is an inconvenience I'm having to sit here, I'm slow. Don't look at me and judge my blessing on what you don't know. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what it took for me to pick my bed up. You don't know what kind of transformation had to happen in my physical body, what had to happen in my mental capacity, what had to happen in my spiritual body for me to pick it up and walk. Don't judge me just because it happens to be Sunday that I'm carrying my bed when you don't think I should be carrying it. I don't care what you think about how I'm going to carry my burden. I'm going to carry it the way I want to. You with me? Sorry, jokers were mad because it was Sunday. So they show up and they say, well, who in the world told you to carry your bed? This is interesting to me. I don't have answers. So don't think that there's something coming to this. The most interesting part of this whole story is, verse 13, the man who was healed didn't know who it was. The man who was healed didn't know who it was. Jesus had slipped away. For a while because there was a crowd in that place. The man didn't know who it was. Remember how this all started? I don't have anybody to put me in the pool. I need somebody. Just anybody. I just need somebody to put me in that pool right over there. If they if I could just have a friend. If I could have somebody just to, just to, just to give me a little bit of encouragement. If I could have somebody to to just say the right thing to me so that I know that it's, if I could just have that one, if I could just have somebody to put me in that pool. And now the man's healed and don't even know who it was that did it. You know what it tells me? Maybe I do have answers. I don't need nobody. All I need is Jesus. What's so cool about it, Jesus cared enough about the man that he goes and seeks him out in the temple. He comes back later, because there's this whole thought process around this word, well, better, healed, whatever, the original word there, there's this thought process. So Jesus isn't just concerned about the fact that now the man can physically get up and walk, but... Verse 14 said, afterward, he found him in the temple and said to him, behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. Jesus is saying, I didn't just fix your physical infirmity, sir. But what you might not realize now is you've been made whole. Jesus has this desire to make us whole. And so often we are just thinking, if I can get to the pool, if I can get to that next place, if I can get to that next thing, if I can just get there, maybe you don't work this way, but I do. I work this way enough to know that the shadows give me little dots in this aisle right here, and if I can just get from this one dot to the next dot, 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 And I'm always looking to get to the next place because if I get there, then I get my healing. If I get there, I get my fulfillment. If I get there, I get my contentment. If I get there, everything's going to be okay. Isn't that what drives the consumer mindset of our culture? I'm, I'm guilty of it. I don't have a problem swallowing that myself. Isn't that what drives us? If I can get there, I'll be better. No, that didn't feel good enough. If I can get there, that'll be better. Sin works the same way. Because if I get to this place, it'll make me feel better. Well, no, that really didn't do it. So I get to the next place. Some of us can testify to what that really looks like in our life. The man is looking for somebody because he hasn't met Jesus just yet the concern though is for us because we've met Jesus yet we still lay in the bed for 38 years withered away useless to society useless to the kingdom of God because we're looking somebody a person to put us in something that does nothing for us we have missed the picture altogether so whether we're blinded to the fact and can't see the way God wants us to see whether it's something deep inside of us this emotional this mental struggle that we're battling with that keeps us from believing that I can get up and walk the man could get up and walk you say Jesus healed him yeah no question whatsoever But the same Bible that told me Jesus heals him and told him to get up and walk tells me that the same power that lives within Jesus lives within me his healing was within him it just took Jesus calling it out of him to make him get up and walk It's a, it's a mental state for us sometimes, an emotional state. I don't believe I can do that. People calling us invalids. I feel like an invalid entry sometimes. Maybe it is a physical. Maybe it's something that we don't feel strong enough, don't feel like we're good enough. Moses said, how do you expect me to go to, to Pharaoh when I can't even speak clearly? clearly. Forgetting the fact that God created us. He's the one that designed us. If He wanted me to be taller, He'd have made me taller. Right? The man has no excuse. We do. I'm done. Can you or Josh help me finish this up? Whatever the plan is. The man walks by, Jesus walks by. Whatever it is. For me, the revelation of understanding it wasn't a sleeping bag the man had laid on for 38 years. But instead, it's a bed frame. Bring some weight to the matter. It doesn't mean that the man just was told, get up and walk. but Get up and take up your bed and walk. What is it that binds us? What is it that that holds us down? What is it that we can't seem to get, I mean, you know me, my struggle. What is it I can't get my mind off of? What is it that's driving me trying to get to the next little thing? What is it that I can't get off of? What is it I I can't lose my focus of? I'd imagine that bed probably stunk. When you think, had to have. The man's laid there for 38 years, waiting on somebody to take him to the pool. If they wouldn't take him to the pool to be healed, you think they changed the sheets? It was a symbol of what his life had become holding him down, had defined who he was. We don't even know the man's name. most, Most translations call him an invalid. He was a sick man. He was an invalid. He was the one with the infirmity. He was the lame man. We read about him now, still defined by the stinking bed. The theme is how we define him and what's so awesome to me about what God does in this whole process is he don't just say get up and leave it there and walk away that actually would have been easier right he said get up and take it up pick it up and walk so now I got a testimony now my arms would get tired if I stand here long enough right I ain't carrying just some little sleeping bag that's rolled up. I'm carrying this bed, this thing that held me down for so long, the thing that defined who I was, the thing that that had me, the thing that stinks in my life. Now I'm carrying it as a constant reminder. Not only, hey, got the attention, the Jews are ticked off. You can't carry your pet on Sunday. That man said, watch me. It's a reminder. Because I got to hold the weight. I'm going to carry it. And if I don't, you know what's going to happen? It's going to fall on my head. Right? I'm reminded about where I came from. I'm reminded about what God's done in my life. I'm reminded about where I used to be, who I used to be, what used to hold me down. But now I victoriously can walk and pick it up and tote it through the city. You know what happens if you tote this thing every day? Your arms get stronger. Right? Your arms get stronger. Not only is it a testimony to me, it's a testimony to everybody around me. Here's what I've learned. Here's what I believe. I believe God can forget my sin. When he forgives it, I believe it's gone. I can't. Right? Realistically, it haunts me at times. It makes me feel like a whole lot of times, you're not good enough to do what you are expected to do in this moment. Wait a minute. Sure I am. Because I picked that thing up. And i built the muscles to carry it, and I can carry that bed. I'm not defi- I can't forget it. I think if I ever forget it, I can fall back into the same place. Right? Let's be honest, we're dumb. I mean, I've been real. We ain't got a lot of sense sometimes. Right? Chances are at some point in time you touch the hot stove, a hot pan, something that burned your hand, even though you were told not to. Right? I'm going to carry my bed. And you might even get to look at it. Because it's a testimony of where I came from. It's a testimony of what God's done in my life. It's a testimony to show that my mind is no longer bound to that bed anymore. My heart is no longer bound. Because you know why? Jesus knows what's within man. Much better than man knows what's within man. The man thought, I'm bound to the bed. For 38 years I've laid here. For 38 more I probably will lay here. I'm stuck. But out of a whole multitude of people, Jesus went to the one and said, you want to get well? You want to be made whole? I don't think I should have to ask you that today. Because if you've already met Jesus, you understand the heart of Jesus, you shouldn't have to be asked that question. But like I said, we're dumb. And we'd rather lay on the bed waiting on somebody to take us to something that really is going to do nothing for us. Rather than realize the fact Jesus has already given us the power, he knows what's within us, and in just a moment's time when we admit to wanting to be made well, he can make us well. The blinders can be taken off. We can realize that we we really can see the way God wants us to see. What's inside of us making us believe we don't have the capacity, the ability to do what it is that he's put before us to do. And then how we feel that we're not enough can all be washed away. He's already asked the question. He asked the question the day that we came to know him. When he saved us, we had at that point within us, because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, we had within us enough to be made well. But in our hard-headed state, after laying in that place for 38 years, sometimes we've got to be asked again, I don't know what is binding us down. I don't know what it is from our past. Maybe you're already carrying the bed. But it's heavy. And it's weighing on you. And you can't move past it because all you can do is go back to that place where you laid to for so long that find who you were. Maybe that's where we are. Or maybe we are still on the bed and we can't realize that Jesus is saying, Hey, get up and walk. I want you to be completely whole. Every broken part of you, everything that's messed up in you, maybe we can't grab that concept. He wants us to be whole. Complete. One translation is sound. So I just want to ask you a simple question today. that You want to be made well? It's pretty simple. Because I don't care what kind of excuse you throw back at Jesus. (laughs) Jesus really didn't care. He didn't even acknowledge the excuse. He said, pick up your bed and walk. So whatever it is today, Whatever the struggle, you want to be made well? Father, I love you, Lord. God, I thank you that I can carry my bed, that I'm no longer bound by the the struggle, the infirmity, the blindness of life. The emotional struggles, the mental struggles, God. I'm no longer bound by those. I'm no longer bound down, held down to that place, God. But rather, I've lifted that up over my head and I'm carrying that through, Lord, as a reminder of what you've done in my life. Not only as a reminder for me, but as a reminder to everybody else, Lord. Now they look and they see that man for 38 years that was bound to that bed. That same man is carrying that bed around with pride. You didn't you need to tell you about what Jesus did for me. Father, I thank you that you've done that in my life. God, I believe all of us have some blindness. All of us have the emotional and the the, the mental, the the struggles where the enemy, the the devil would want to accuse us and make us feel like we're not good enough, that that our past overweighs what's in our future. Lord, your word speaks directly against that. And I believe some of us are laying around in the porches today waiting on somebody To get us to something to make us feel better. And today, God, I'm declaring that what is within us is greater than anything that's in this world. I don't need somebody to carry me to something, Lord. All I need is you. And you know what's in the heart of man. And you've placed what's inside of me, you've placed it there. And so today, Lord, I declare victory over every situation. Thank you, Lord. Father, we're here today, we've picked it up, that thing that we've been bound to, that thing that's held us down for so long, the thing we were convinced that had control over us, we pick it up today, and we carry it. What is a reminder that as we carry it every day, day after day, Lord, we get stronger We build up resistance to that thing where we can carry it lighter. We can carry it easier, Father. Father, we're not reminded of our past. We can put it behind us. We can't forget, but we're not defined by that. Father, today we pick it up and we walk, recognizing that you care about us. You know what's inside of us. You know what's in our heart. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to overcome. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.